0: Lost, unable to be found. Lost, not knowing where you are or how to get where you want to go, unable to find your way. Lost, no longer held or owned or possessed. No longer belonging to something or somebody. Everybody in life from time to time feels lost and we'll set heaven and hell for a side and let's talk to... The church family this morning. Sometimes you feel lost. You feel as though you are unable to be found. You have this ideology that I don't know how I got where I am, but I am not pleased with my current position. I got off track somewhere and I sense as though I have gone further than I am capable, than I am capable of being found. My older brother just went on a vacation with his family. He has four kids. And if you have two kids, you have a full family. You have three kids, you're starting to get somewhere. You have four, you're getting into the woo category. There is no table at a restaurant that facilitates six or seven. You know, they got to push them together. You're a push it together family. You know what I'm saying? So they've got four kids. They've got three boys uh, and one daughter and and they went from uh, Texas in Round Rock where he's a pastor and, and they went up to Colorado to a place called Pagosa Springs and they swam and have fun in the Pagosa Springs River there and there's some hot springs up there if you've never been there take a vacation and go uh, but then they decided that they were going to go to Branson, Missouri because they've got a lot of shows in Branson, Missouri uh, Branson's a, a nice place they've got a lot of Christian shows if you're looking for a place and, and by the way I don't work for Branson Branson, Pagosa Springs, just for the record. They're nice places you should visit. But they decided they were going to go from Colorado to Branson, Missouri and spend a few days. Well, uh, given a compass and a map, it is uh, 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 easy to find out that you need to drive east from Colorado to get to Branson, Missouri and, and they were doing that. They were on Interstate 70 which goes through uh, uh, Colorado and I believe it cuts through Kansas as well if I, if I remember right. But anyway, they're heading due east and, and, he, and he decides he's going to take a little nap so he's going to let his, his wife, my sister-in-law Darren, who's a wonderful lady, uh, filled with God and, and just loves the the kids and does a phenomenal job out in Round Rock also. Uh, but but she's going to drive for a couple hours. He's going to take a little bit of a nap. Well, somewhere along the road, somewhere along the road, he ended up. Uh, she ended up taking a turn that was uh, not on the the plan. It was not part of the, the 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 plan. It wasn't it wasn't where she was supposed to go. And and she ended up driving two hours south. Now, two hours south from Kansas will put you right about into Oklahoma if you're not, if you're not careful. So, what happened is, if you're driving, say, 60 miles an hour for easy math, you're talking about 120 miles out of the way. Now you've got to drive two hours back the same way, so you just got four hours added to a trip with four kids in the back and one of them's only like three months old. Come on, somebody. That's rough. So anyway, my brother wakes up and he notices the sun is in the windshield. Well, if, if you're in the northern hemisphere, meaning you're in a country or a continent that is north of the equator, as North America and the United States of America is, uh, the sun is always going to be in the southern portion of the sky. Uh, if it's morning time, it's going to come up in, in the east, of course, and it'll be kind of in the southern part of, of east. And if it's, if, it's, if, it's, if it's going down, it's going to be looking like it's going down in the west, but it'll be in the southern part of the sky. So it's the middle of the day, he looks, and the sun is in the windshield, and he goes, wait a minute. Now, not, I don't, I'm not a rocket scientist here, but I don't think we're going east. If you're driving towards the sun, and it's noon, you are not going east. So he pulls out his iPhone, and he punches the little button that, that tells you where you are, and the little blue light flashed up, and, and he, he's like, well, that can't be right. And he starts shaking the iPhone, because supposedly you got to shake them sometimes, you know, to make them work. And so he's shaking the iPhone, and, and he looks at it and says, sure enough. And he says, he says you know what, I think we may have taken a wrong turn. And Darren said, no, no, I didn't take a wrong turn. I went exactly the way you told me. They got two hours out of the way, and they didn't know how they got there. They didn't know where they got off track. They didn't know where they took a quick turn. They didn't know where something had happened. And you and me do that from time to time. Sometimes uh, we don't know where we're going. Sometimes we would like to get to a destination. I just don't know what the destination is. I remember when Crystal and I uh, first got married. We were married about six weeks. I had a great job. God has blessed us for forever and always. We've been blessed in the city, blessed in the field. And that's just my experience. I, I give all uh, credit to God, and, and I also give credit to His Word. Uh, we've been we've been. She was a tither before I met her, and I began tithing at twelve years old as soon as I found out what tithing meant. And we've just been blessed. I don't know anybody else's story, and you got a sad story. I'm sorry. It's not like we hadn't had some issues, uh, but but we've been blessed. So I got out of college, and I was uh, working at this shipyard, and, and all of a sudden, three different job offers came to us, and each one of them was an incredible... Uh, uh, raise amount of money and each one of them required us to move. So it would be one to go there, one to go there, one to go there. And, And, and to be honest with you, they all sounded like, you know, just a big bucket of fun to me. I didn't mind any of them. So it was, it was a good deal. But Crystal, uh, Crystal and I, when we prayed, we were trying to pray the will of God. We said, well, this job pays you know 10% more than this job, but it's got way more benefits or or more potential for growth, and and this is more of a risk. But woo, we could really make a lot of money if we do that. And so we had all these different you know moving pieces, and we were praying constantly. Oh God, and I, I never forget. I, I we we I got so you know kind of twisted about it that 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 I started having spasms in my back. Never happened before. Never happened since. And it wasn't spasms like, oh, I don't know if God's gonna, you know, supply our needs according to his riches and glory. That wasn't at all. It was, it was, we were so, I was so stressed trying to do what God wanted us to do. We're a young family, just married, you know, six, eight weeks. And I'm trying to make sure that we're doing right by God. And finally, of course, we got clarity and peace in a given direction. But, but but, either way, sometimes we get in a position where it's not that we don't feel like we're in communication with God. It just feels like we're the only one talking. If you told me to turn left, Lord, I'd be happy to turn left. If you told me to turn right, God, I'd be happy to turn right. I'm sitting on go. I, I'm, I'm like the guy at the track. I'm just waiting on the gun to go off and it feels like you're not hearing anything. It's not that you don't uh, want to move, it's you don't know where to go. Sometimes we feel like that. Uh, Lastly, the last definition of lost, according to Webster, is is to not be owned anymore. I've lost my favorite widget. I had a great baseball, it was signed by Babe Ruth, and and the beast ate it over the fence. Y'all remember that movie? I, I, I had a football signed by someone and I lost it. I, I, had a, I had a wedding ring and had a diamond in it and I lost it. I had a, I had a car and I lost it. I don't know how you lose a car, but whatever, you know. You, you can lose things and it's, you lose possession of something and sometimes you feel like you've lost your position. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is uh, found in Luke chapter 15. And Jesus is telling the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son is an interesting story. It's about one son stays home, the other son leaves. But what I like about it is the prodigal son, of course, comes home and the father accepts him back gladly. But along the way, he never stops calling him son. He never starts calling him the one that used to be my son. He calls him his son through the entire story. And sometimes, just like that prodigal son, we get to a place where we feel like we're not part of the family anymore. Well, here's the scenario. Jesus is incredible at finding you when you feel lost. Let's consider David for just a moment. Uh, David, by all ways of measure, is a hero in our Bible. The Bible says that he's a man after God's own heart. The Bible says that one day he was sitting on his throne and he wanted to bless somebody. This is whenever he's king. And he says, I wish there was somebody out of Saul's house, which is the previous king. I wish there was somebody out of Saul's house that I could bless for Jonathan's sake. Now, Jonathan was his very good friend, which is also the son of the king. So that's all representative of how God the Father is. I wish there was somebody, God's sitting up there all the time, I wish there was somebody that I could bless for the sake of the Son. So David's sitting up there, and he chooses to bless this guy. His name was Mephibosheth, and uh, there's a whole story attached to it, but David, by all measurable entities, is a hero of our Bible, and we can see forms and types and shadows constantly of who he is, uh, uh, of, of how he is mimicking Christ in certain ways. Now, he's not the Christ by any stretch, but, but how he's mimicking, and he's, and he's showing us some ways that God is like, and how Jesus is, and how his spirit wants to dwell. And uh, it began at a very young age to the point that uh, when David was anointed to be king of Israel, what they would do is they would take some oil, they would put it in a ram's horn, uh, which they would take the horn from a from a ram and make sure it was hollowed out and that's how they would store the oil and they would take that oil and they would pour it on somebody and that would be anointing so when we talk about anointing, that's one of the ways that you can kind of visualize it. The oil would be poured on the head of the person who's being anointed, and it would drip down their body and it would cover their body and it would be symbolic of God anointing or covering somebody with an opportunity to be greater than they are without God. So David is anointed to be the king of Israel. Well, the interesting thing was, is he wasn't anointed in a big uh, pomp and circumstance story. Do you remember uh, uh, the, 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 the prince and the princess that just had the baby over in England last year? Uh, what's her name? Does anybody know? Shout it out to me. I can't hardly hear Got it. Okay. So, 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 William and Kate have this baby. Does anybody know the baby's name? George. I'd have picked a different name. I mean, it's all right. George. If y'all wonder why I'm looking at the front row, well, it's because my wife's here. She's usually in children's church, and I love having you in church, baby. Uh, so, anyway, I'm on Twitter-pated. Got you sitting there. So, Prince baby George, you know, when they bring him out the window, I remember seeing on the news, flocks and flocks of people screaming and shouting, and, and, and you know, woohoo, there's baby King George, next George, whatever he's going to be. And, and everything is wonderful for that little baby, but that's not how it happened for David at all. On the contrary, there was an anointing ceremony planned where the prophet was going to come and anoint one of Jesse's sons, who's David's daddy. And, 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 and what he did is he lined up all of his sons in front of the prophet and said, just pick one, but he didn't bring David. Some of you guys feel passed over. God's going to make it right. Some of you guys feel like you've missed your opportunity, God is going to make it right. David was out in the field tending sheep and, and so Jesse brings all of his sons in here and they probably uh, you know really looked the part. They probably re- looked really kingly. One was maybe like Brad Pitt, Denzel Washington, uh, 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 what's that? Channing Potato? Channing... Channing Tater? Tatum? Channing Tatum? Well, she knew that name, didn't she? <laughs> so they all looked the part. And David's out in the field tending the sheep. Tending his daddy's sheep. In the middle of his season of promotion he was found working his land. You and me, God has not forgotten about us. Though it may feel like you're in a season where you're working somebody else's land and tending somebody else's flock. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Because in due season you're going to reap God's going to open the windows of heaven over your life, and He's going to pour something on you that's bigger than you could have asked or thought. That overflows your capacity, and it's going to pour out on everybody else. A shepherd boy is not ready to be king, but his capacity was increased the moment he was anointed. So he was found working, found diligent, and his season of expectation and then he goes and he's he's still working for his daddy all the time and there's this big battle that's about to happen because there's a giant named Goliath who's a Philistine who hates God's people and hates the God of Israel and he comes and he's 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 running up and and he gets there and they're about to fight in this valley and Jesse David's daddy says David I want you to take some cheese and some bread and I want you to take it to your brothers you know the ones that I said that 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 I tried to get anointed to be king in front of you yeah I want you to serve them Some of you don't like the fact that you're having to serve people that in reality one day they'll answer to you just the way of the kingdom so david's like okay dad whatever you say man this has worked out pretty good for me david was a hero already he killed a lion and a bear and saved the sheep he was anointed uh, uh to be king of israel while he was working and now his dad says i want you to take some bread and some cheese and i want you to take it to your brothers but i want to teach you something here dave because you're going to be king one day and when you're king you're going to need to understand honor and honor doesn't come from you saying you need to honor me honor comes by you saying i'm going to honor you whether you deserve it or not He said, so what I want you to do is I want you to take the the bread and the cheese and take it to your brothers, but I also want you to take some to the commanding officer of their unit. Because whenever you bring a gift into somebody's presence, it begins to make room for you. Whenever you begin to, to give somebody favor, you get favor. What you reap, you sow. So it's possible that it was a sequestered area and maybe they didn't want boys and young men to be coming into the camp and all that other stuff. I don't know, maybe. Eh, but, but he knew if I gave that, that boy something to give to the, to the captain, then at that point, maybe my son could get to the other sons. I would know that they were okay and I would know that they were nourished because they're probably just eating oatmeal. So he gets there and he tells the captain, hey, I'm David, I'm Jesse's boy. And I can see the captain going, son, can't you see? We got a giant over there. We got bigger problems than you coming over here, little shepherd boy. What is that, a slingshot? You still play with shit? What are you doing here? Anyway, he goes, well, I brought you some bread and some cheese. Now, wait a minute. You brought me some bread and some cheese there, Dave. i tell you what. Come on in here, you little rascal. Sit down for a minute. I've been on Atkins for a month, you know. I'd love a piece of bread. So he gives him the bread and the cheese and he eats it, you know, like a little mouse. I don't know if he really ate it like that. <laughs> I love it because my wife laughs at my jokes. <laughs> she does it at home too, y'all. It's not a show. <clears throat> so David goes and sees his brother. says, so here guys, here's some food from dad. We want to make sure y'all are okay and well fed. Because that's what a good father does, by the way. So anyway, the brothers go, David... You're only here, you little Mr. Next King. I can see him bowing to him. Ooh, here comes the King of Israel. Ha, ha, ha. He goes, You're only here because you want to see the battle. You're only here because you want to see the fight. You're only here because you want to see what happens. That's why you're here, David. And David goes, No, no. It's Really not why I'm here, he guys. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And then all of a sudden in the distance, he hears screaming and cursing and blaspheming God. And all of a sudden the shepherd boy starts to act like a king. He starts to hear something and he hears this, 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 this voice that's scary, but it's saying something that can't be ignored because it's, it's, it's a total uh, shift in who David is. And he hears and he goes, what is that noise? And somebody said, well, that's the whole problem, Dave. There's a guy down there. He's humongous. He's like nine feet tall. He hates everything about God. He curses God. And he said if one person would come out and fight him, if they would, if they win, then all the Philistine would be slave to the Israelites. And we just wish we had somebody that would fight him. And all of a sudden, that king that was anointed in the shepherd, uh, in, as a shepherd in the field begins to rise up. And David says, well, if he's cursing God, I'll fight him. Who is he that thinks he can curse the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of the house of Israel? Who is this Philistine? David's brothers like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden, another one of the guys hears David talking. He goes, well, there's more to it. The king says, whoever kills the Philistine, number one, they're going to be really rich. And number two, they get to marry his daughter. And David said, which daughter? <laughs> David said, are you serious? So he goes and he's brought before the king, King Saul. And the king says, okay, bud, here's the deal. That's really brave of you to do this. You're a young man. At least wear my armor. It will protect you for a minute. And David tries to put it on. And he realizes the stuff that Saul went through life in is not what he needed to go through life in. You see, you have a battle and you have a life. And along the way, you're going to develop weapons and philosophies and ideas that are perfect for you and your situation and your life. You will hone your weapons in the dire times. You will hone your weapons in the troubling times. You will hone your weapons when the enemy comes in like a flood and you begin to experience God lifting up a standard against you. So he says, King, I appreciate you giving me these weapons. That's really nice. Thank you very much. But the problem is, I, I've never proven yours. But this sling right here, man, it's been with me forever. My dad helped me make it. We tied it together. And I, and, and I know the size rock I like to put in. If I get too big a rock, it doesn't go fast enough. If I get too big a rock, it kind of goes off. So I know everything about this. I know how to use my weapons. Some of you guys have been through some things. And you've forgotten that you've picked up some pretty good weapons along the way. So then we find another guy. Uh, Simon Peter, he's with Jesus all the time. Matter of fact, Jesus completely changed his life when he walked into his fishing boat. He completely changed his situation whenever he walked into his fishing boat. And he said, here's the deal, Pete, uh, Simon, I'm going to call you Pete. Everybody else call you whatever they want. And then in the future, everybody's going to call you both names anyway. So it's going to be great. So Simon Peter, uh, I'm going to teach you how to catch people. And I want you to follow me while I do it. I'm going to spend three years teaching you how to catch people. You can follow me and everything's going to be incredible. And Peter's life went from this to this in a millisecond when he got out of his boat and followed Jesus. He spent three years walking around and he saw Jesus do the miraculous. He saw him take a dead girl who had been laying there and everybody was already crying because she had passed. She, he saw him touch her, raise her up, and she was alive. He saw him walk on water and then wasn't satisfied with that. He said, Jesus, can I do it too? And Jesus said, yes, come on, man. He goes through life and he sees uh, Jesus doing all kinds of stuff. He sees him take a corpse that is four years dead in a grave, wrapped in grave clothes and stinking, and sees him not walk in there and touch it, but stand from afar, tell him to move the rock out of the way and call the corpse out of the tomb. And life went into a man named Lazarus and he walked out. Some of you guys, you have some dreams. It seemed like they'd been dead so long they would stink. Jesus is about to call those things forth. He saw him take a man whose hand was withered and not working and say, straighten your hand out. His hand became whole. He saw him walk by a tree that he wanted to get a piece of fruit off of because he was hungry. And it didn't have what he wanted. And he said, you can't live anymore, tree. The next day, the tree was dried up from the root. He saw him take a little boy's offering. Just a little bit of bread and a couple of fish feed 5,000 people. He saw him do the miraculous time, time, and time again. Peter's life was completely shifted. Well, here's the deal. David and Peter's story are incredible. And if we stopped right there, we'd say they hung the moon. But they're flesh and blood like you and me. King David, though he had a heart after God, was not always living after that heart. Maybe his darkest moment. He sees a young lady afar named Bathsheba. That's a name for a princess right there. Maybe Bathsheber for a guy. Forget about George. Something with some syllables, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Bathsheba from afar. And he says, that's a beautiful lady right there. I'd like to marry that lady. Only to find out that she's already taken. David didn't walk away like he should have. He didn't just tend his sheep like he should have. He didn't just take his brother's bread and cheese like he should have. He stepped into another place and he said, here's what I'll do. I'll take her husband. I'll send him to the front line. He'll get killed. When he gets killed, then I'll go and comfort the widow and I'll marry her and Bathsheba will be my wife. That's exactly what happened. And life's just going good for David. He's like, man, I'm on top of the world. And all of a sudden, a preacher walks in named Nathan. He says, King David. He's the prophet. He says, King David, let me talk to you for a minute. He says, he says let me talk to you for just a minute. He said, he said let me tell you this story. Because all good preachers can tell stories. Jesus showed us that. He said, let me tell you a story. He said, there was a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had all kind of sheep and all kind of flocks. He was extremely wealthy. Wealthy, He had herds of sheep. And he had everything at his disposal. And there was a poor man. And all he had was one little ewe, one little lamb. And the little lamb was precious to him. The Bible said that it ate the same food that they ate. We have a little dog named Duke. And he eats the same food we eat. Because my kids feed him. All the time. And if we don't watch him, he jumps on the table. That little lamb. And what happened was, King, is when, when a visitor came to visit the rich man, instead of going out to his flock and just getting one of the thousands of sheep that he had, he took the poor man's one lamb, one sheep, and fed it to the visitor. And King David gets furious... What kind of a person would do that? Because the hardest glass to look in is the mirror. It's so easy to see the log or the beam in somebody else's eye, or excuse me, the the speck in somebody else's eye, when we have a log or a beam in our own. It's hard to to, to see our own self. So David says, you just tell, prophet, uh, uh, brother Nathan, uh, 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 pastor, uh, uh, you just tell me who it is. I'm the king, I'll take care of this. He said, it's you. David said, well, (laughs) I mean, I might have been a little harsh. He says, oh my goodness. Nathan says, God's not pleased with you at all. David goes from on top of the world, having his newlywed wife, thinking life is wonderful, to now he feels completely lost. It was like he can't be found again. Peter, the last meal that he had with Jesus, they're, they're sitting there and they're, they're eating and everything's wonderful. Everything's great. And, 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 and Jesus said, well, let me just tell you guys something. Number one, I'm about to die, but I'm going to come back. It's no problem. But number two, one of you guys is going to deny me. Peter being the most zealous of the bunch, least recorded in history. He says... Well, Jesus, these heathens might deny you, but I never would. I'd go with you to death. And Jesus says, Well, Pete, I'd be careful talking like that. He says, no, 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 I wouldn't ever. I'm telling you. And then they get to a garden where they've been praying, and, and the, the lynch mob to come kill Jesus shows up with a bunch of weapons and, 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 and torches. And the Bible says that they came and said, Who's Jesus? Judas comes kisses Jesus. and, and, And they all realize that's Him. And the Bible says that when all that stuff took place and they went to grab Jesus, that Peter, the zealot, he pulled out his sword, which was the concealed handgun of the day. He pulled out his sword and he tried to kill the guy that was trying to grab Jesus and he missed and he cut off his ear. And the Bible says... That after seeing all the miracles that Jesus did, Peter saw one more that night. He took and healed the man's ear. Right there. Put it right back. I don't know if he stitched it back on. I don't know if he made a new ear. But either way, the guy got his ear back. And Peter saw it. And Jesus said to Peter, He goes, hey man, put that away. You live like that, you're going to die like that. Jesus said, I'm the one you guys are seeking and I'll go with you. The scripture further teaches us, no man takes Jesus' life. He laid it down. He could have called legions of angels and wiped everybody out of me. But as soon as they take Jesus, the disciples, the 11 that were left, spread like ants. And in a matter of hours, Peter denies even knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, three times. Could you imagine the weight that your soul would feel the man who was going to bleed and die for you. The man who gave you everything and gave you hope and gave you a purpose and gave you a vision and made you believe more in yourself than you ever had and you denied knowing Him three times. Could you imagine the weight that you would feel just hit you? Peter felt lost. Jesus dies. In three days, Peter stuck. In that thought process, I could imagine him wrestling with the idea, should I just do what Judas did because I can't believe I denied him. Well, here's the deal. David's story and Peter's story neither one end right there. Because the Bible says in Matthew 18 in verse number 11 it says the son of man is come to save that which is lost. Peter and David feel incredibly lost and they're, they're trying to figure out how do I get from A to B? How do I get back there? I, I don't know my way. I, I, I don't feel like I'm a part of the kingdom anymore. I feel like I'm unable to be done. I've done too much. I've gone too far away. The Bible says that when David finds out that God's displeased with him, that he goes in mourning, gets by himself and cannot be consoled. Until God starts to change the circumstances. The Bible says Bathsheba had a son His name was Solomon. Solomon's a very interesting player in the Bible because Solomon's not just the wisest king to ever walk earth except for Jesus. He's not just the wisest king to ever walk earth. The Bible says that he's also the only one that God trusted to build a temple in Jerusalem. The Bible said that David couldn't even, kill, couldn't even build the temple, but, but Solomon could. So out of this situation that was born in the worst possible environment, it doesn't get much worse than having somebody's husband murdered so you can marry them. Somehow, according to Romans chapter 8, God finds a way to make all things work together for our good. He takes our bad situation, He, he takes our, our baking powder, which alone would taste despicable, and He puts it in the mix and somehow bakes a beautiful cake. Peter, feeling alone, Feeling like he lost his way. I can picture him crying himself to sleep if he slept at all. Knowing that he had denied his best friend, the one that sits closer to their brother, the one that didn't call legions of angels because he knew the only way that Peter was going to get victory was going to be if he endured the cross and defeated death, hell, and the grave. On Sunday morning, the Bible says that Jesus' mama and her friend Mary Magdalene, they go running to the tomb and they get to the tomb and it's sitting there and the stone is rolled away and they begin to freak out. As the stone's moved. Did they take him? Where, where is he? A singer named Carmen used to sing a really cool song. It went like this. It said, the stone was rolled away and it bounced a time or two. And an angel stepped inside and said, I'm Gabriel. Who are you? And Mary and Mary Magdalene are sitting there. And there's Gabriel. And, and they said, where is my son? Could you imagine your child's body being stolen? That's what she's think. Where's my son? Gabriel said, Whoa, Miss Mary, because I promise you she gets respect in heaven. Miss Mary, I want you to know, just like Jesus said, He's alive. The stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone. The rock that is Christ was put inside a rock, the rock was rolled away, and a rock walked out. He rose just like he said he was gonna rise, and here's the deal. He told me to tell you that, but, 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 he also said this, and this may be one of my favorite things in the whole Bible, cause I can really relate to Peter, cause I've had some ear-cutting off moments in my life. I can relate to Peter, cause I like to fish. <laughs> I can relate to Peter because I've had people close to me turn their back on me and feel like a knife is stuck in my back and broken off. I can relate to Peter because I know what it means to leave everything you know and say, if Jesus said go this way, I'm not counting the cost, I'm going this way. I can relate to Peter. And He says this. He says, "You tell my disciples." This is what Jesus said to tell them: "Tell my disciples, Gabriel, make sure and tell my disciples that I've risen." Oh God, help! And tell Peter. Could you imagine Mary's joy? She, oh my goodness gracious, he is alive! And he's walking out. And on their way back to go tell the disciples, there's Jesus. They bump into him. It's true my son, Mary Magdalene, my Lord. Yeah, yeah, don't touch me, girls. i got to go up there for a minute. I'll be back, though. I'm going to come right through the wall, freak everybody out. They go to the upper room where the disciples are hiding out for fear of the Jews, for fear that the people who wanted Jesus crucified, one of them crucified, which they did and I can see Mary walk in because Mary's a mom, you know I got a mom I've seen my wife be a mom to my children and other people's children and a mom has a gear I was talking with some very close friends of mine just the other day we were talking about how a dad can sleep through a tornado but a mom hears a hiccup because they never turn off one of the moms said when my kids aren't home I sleep good When they're home, I'm on. Mama. Mary and Mary Magdalene walk in and they tell the disciples, they say, guess what? We just saw him. He's alive. And and maybe Peter, maybe maybe he kind of got excited and he's sitting over in the corner. He's like, that's pretty good, but... I'm the one who denied Him. I'm the one who turned my back on Him. How could He ever love a wretch like me? The one who gave it all. I'm the one who gave nothing. I'm the one who turned my back on Him. I'm the one who cussed my way out of a situation so that people wouldn't kill me even though I told Jesus that I would go with Him to death. I can see Mary walking over. No, Pete, baby, no. you got to think about this. Jesus and Peter were like this for over three years. And Jesus' mom, Mary, was always around. So the idea of Peter and Mary having a very close-knit relationship is extremely probable, if not absolute. So she walks over and says, No, Pete, baby, no, 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 no. Listen. Let me tell you what he said. He said to make sure that everybody knew. But then listen to me. Listen to me, Peter. He called you by name because He knew how you feel right now. The same God of heaven who you've served the same God of heaven who from time to time you feel as though you've lost your way or you feel as though you just can't hear the direction. You feel as though if I knew the right thing to do, I would do it. The same God of heaven who sits there and sees you and recognizes that you feel lost, that same God calls you by name when He looks for you. Luke chapter number 15. says says that there was a man who had a hundred sheep. And he looked for them. And he was, he was with them and one of them went away. So he left the 99 good sheep went and found the one that was lost. Verse 8 says, there was a woman that had ten pieces of silver and she lost one. And when she lost it, she wasn't paying attention to the nine anymore. But she was looking for the one that was lost. And when she found it, when she found the next, the, the lost coin, she, she celebrated it. Verse 11 says this. Verse 11 says that when one person that's lost is found. Verse 11, Matthew. One person that's lost is found. All of heaven, verse 10. All of heaven, all the angels of God rejoice. When one person shifts it. The Son of Man came to save that which was lost. And the grand scheme saved from hell, death, and the grave. Make sure that you can spend eternity with Him. But it's more than that, David. It's more than that, Peter. It's in the moment when you feel away from God that He's looking for you. He's calling you by name. He's telling you this thing that you feel like you've messed up with, David. I'm going to bring out one of the greatest kings that has ever lived out of that situation because me and only me, I am the one who can take all the nonsense in your life and turn it around for good. Peter, though you feel lost, I'm the one trying to find you. One last story, then I'm done. I was fishing one time. My little boy Walker Lee was 18 months old. All my family was there. My parents were there. Little baby Trinity he was so still so tiny that she had to be carried everywhere. We were catching a lot of fish on this dock, and Walker, he was toddling around. You know, he's that tall, and the dock had a handrail that he was short enough to go under, but he was tall enough to grab. So he would he would grab the handrail and he would do what every little boy ought to do he'd lean over the dock and spit I didn't mean to really spit (laughs) we were fishing man and we were catching a lot of fish a lot of catfish and crappie oh come on somebody just having a great time he was over swinging on a little swing we were all just fishing away and he came toddling up to the dock. And he went to do what he'd done a hundred times. He was standing right between me and my father. He went to do what he'd done a hundred times. And, and he went to grab the handrail and just stand there. But he missed. And it wasn't like we are in the Bahamas. It was like Brazos River water. Brown, dirty, muddy, sticks, junk everywhere. And in an instant, in a moment, I didn't stop and say, whose fault is it that my little boy is underwater? Is it my fault? Dad, is it your fault? Should you have been watching him? I didn't send Walker an underwater text message and say, why did you fall in the water? I didn't go find my other two children that were perfectly happy, healthy, and full of joy standing on the dock and say, let me sit with you for a minute while your brother swims underwater. I didn't start interrogating everybody on the scene and put crime tape around it and say, before I seek and save that which is lost, I'm going to determine guilt. before his body went under the water i was already over the edge going down just like this eyes wide open had a fish hook in my thumb and i reached down with with the only way i can describe it is i just tried to make a big hoop and i grabbed him and thank you jesus i felt his little body and i pulled him up out of the water and the first thing i heard was the best noise i ever heard was him crying and i knew I picked him up out of the water and I handed him to Crystal and she took and she went and got him a towel and wrapped him up and he's fine. And I said, oh man, I hope he's not scared of the water. He's in the towel wrapped up inside. I said, mama, I just want to fish. He didn't talk that good. But fish, fish, fish. I want to but it never crossed my mind whose fault is it that you're lost? Nor is it on God's mind. His Son came to seek and to save that which is lost. So wherever you are today, maybe you're like David, you you, you know God, maybe you're like Peter, you walk with God, but, but, but you just feel away from Him. Maybe that's your situation, today's your opportunity to walk strong with Him. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you say, I'd like to walk with Him. Matter of fact, everything you're saying sounds wonderful. There's nothing I'd rather do than walk strong with God. There's nothing I would rather do than walk strong with God, but I don't know how. Here's how. We're going to pray in just a minute. And you're going to have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible says this. If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was crucified and rose from the dead and you confess it with your mouth, then you're saved. And that's the first step in living the overwhelmingly effective and powerful life of a Christian. I ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes.